0: you have your Bibles, let's go to James. We can continue our study there. We're up to James chapter 3. Um, this goes how I think it'll go. We're going to cover two whole verses. All right. James chapter 3. Verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. So if you've read through the book of James recently, and I hope you have. If you haven't, go ahead, read all the way through it. Uh, It'll take us a while to get through the rest of it. You'll notice a pattern of when he's shifting to a new topic, he'll use the expression, my brethren. So chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Chapter 2 starts off with, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. And here in 3, My brethren, be not many masters. Now, the chapters weren't included in his original letter, but you can see why they might have chose that to put the chapter division in there as they're printing the book. My brethren, be not many masters. So we got a, kind of got a new topic here. And Remember, this was written primarily to believing Jews very good and edified in for us too but in one, one it says James the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting." so these are Jewish by nationality or race who are believers and so he's writing unto them saying my brethren be not many masters All right. Well, let's figure out what does that mean Brother Andy mentioned this morning that he had been reading over in John 3, and let's go look there about uh, Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus was one of the leaders in Israel, and yet he went to Jesus by night to ask him some questions. questions. John chapter 3. uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this is very confusing to Nicodemus. and The first time that you'd ever heard of it, probably would have been very confusing to you too. So Nicodemus responds, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's thinking very literally. Jesus often obviously, as we know, talking about the new birth, the spiritual birth, and the regeneration. Nicodemus is asking, do I have to go back inside my natural mother and then come back out? Is that what you're talking about? And he answers, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, thou must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou can hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell whether it goeth, whither, and whither it goeth, whether it cometh and where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So he's talking about how does regeneration happen? By the Holy Spirit. You cannot make it. You can't tell where it comes. It just comes. You can see the effects. And Nicodemus answered and said, How can these things be? He clearly still didn't understand. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? So this man held himself out to be one who had had the answers. He was a leader. He And Jesus here is, is calling him out and saying that you're a master and you, you don't understand these things. So in James it says, to be not many masters. All right? I want to go over to, to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And we want to look at some of the the dangers of being a self-proclaimed, self-confident, self-righteous Master. This is one who desires to lead the Lord's people for their own glory, for their own credit, for their own backpats. So, Romans chapter 2, and in verse 17, Behold, thou art called a Jew. Remember, primarily this letter was written to Jews. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent. Being instructed out of law, these all sound, you know, good, except for and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, you hate idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law (laughs) through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. So these are people who knew the law. They knew. They had knowledge. And they wanted to be teachers. And they're teaching folks. And they may have been teaching accurately. But here you can see that their lives were not bearing it out. That they were saying one thing and they were doing the another, And by their actions, they were causing the name of God to be blasphemed. Right? That's the danger. This is, a, this is a self-righteous one who wants to be a leader. The one who wants to have people call them... Master, or in the Old Testament, or they call him Rabbi, or leader, or teacher, right? And you say, well, maybe this is just a Jewish problem, right? No, go over and look at the Gentiles over in First Timothy. First right? Timothy, you remember, uh, you know, young preacher Timothy had been left at Ephesus, right? That's a Gentile city. Uh, that's where the the great temple to the goddess of Diana was, right? One of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And he's been tasked to, you know, keep things on track. And he says, and Paul here writing to him, is going to say there's, he's going to have problems within the church. Right? These are Gentiles. These are non-Jews. Um, and said, here's some of the things they're going to describe us. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 is where I'm going to pick up. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, so he went across the sea up to Macedonia, that's where Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea are. So Paul went that way and left him back at Ephesus that thou mightest charge some of them that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. So there are going to be some who are going to come and try and teach false doctrine. Some who are going to get really wrapped up in genealogies and who's related to who and how do you fit in here and, and it's going to lead to question upon question upon question. He said, Leave all those aside. Which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in the faith. So do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. That's that's, that's the sum of it. Charity, pure heart out of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned as opposed to pretended. From which some having swerved aside have turned aside unto vain jangling. That's a description for how they were teaching. Just, Just it's like you've got a you know, cowbell out there and you're just kind of ringing. Are you learning anything from that cowbell? No, but that's the same amount you're learning from these teachers who turned aside from the faith unfeigned. Why? They desired to be teachers of the law. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Right? So these are those who wanted to teach because it made them look good. They didn't know what they were teaching nor were they saying, yeah, I approve of that. So this was not just a problem just among the Jews. This is a problem among the Gentiles. This is trying to put yourself in a leadership role in the church for the very wrong reasons. One where you're trying to have followers after you. Where you want to be up on a pedestal. Where you want to be elevated and show, I'm, well, I'm, I'm smart. You can see this, how this played out an example over in Acts. Acts chapter 15. There are some certain men. They came from Jerusalem unto where um, Paul and Barnabas were. And I, I think they were in Antioch. Um, you can read through that just to double check it. But certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder how people keep adding checklists the Lord's completed work of salvation. It's been going on since way back then. He's saying, you can't be saved unless, well, you've got to be circumcised, you know, like under the law. Right? Now, these men hadn't been sent from the church in Jerusalem to say that. They had taken it upon themselves. And they came and they were coming and teaching what they thought even though they'd had (laughs) no instruction to that effect. Um, And they caused a great contention and so much so that they, Paul and Barnabas, wound up having to dispute with them and then they went back to the Apostles, but that's just that's just one example of folks who are taking it upon themselves, desiring to be teachers and leaders, just to show off. So to be not many masters. That's 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 the danger that he's pointing out here. That don't desire for pride's sake to be a leader within the church. You don't you don't you know gotta have chiefs and Indians, right? Can't all be that the. the leaders walking around and having the followers. Right? You see this in our culture. What do we have? Social influences. What? What do they have? How do you know people are seeing what they're doing? They have a bunch of followers, right? Influencing you. Right? It's the same concept. We don't want that within the church. Those who are up there promoting self. Okay. Go back to James. Catch the next verse. Be not many masters. Why? knowing that we, who's the we? Those those are the masters, those are the leaders. They shall receive the greater condemnation or judgment or um, weight put upon them. Go over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Just one book back, just a couple pages. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And the short short answer is this is to be a leader in church is a heavy responsibility. It's not something lightly to be taken. Hebrews 13, 17. There it is. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves and submit yourselves. For, why do you have to do that? For they watch for your souls. And that souls means your, your breath, your lives. They watch for your lives, your souls, as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That word watch literally means to go sleepless, to be a keeper of awake, to stay on duty and on guard, watching for your soul. Why? Because they have to give an account. Now this idea of one who stays awake through the night, you know, you're in the military, you're on watch, right? You go to sleep on watch. Is your commanding officer going to be thrilled with you? Oh, you might find some time in the brig, right? It is not something that you can just decide. I'm not on watch anymore. For here, in this role, is permanent. Mm-hmm. Now, this concept of a watchman um, appears in the Old Testament. We'll look at that to flesh it out a little bit. So, go back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, and I want chapter three. So you kind of got your big three books in the Bible, uh, the Old Testament of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Long ones that are hard to get through when you're reading. Ezekiel chapter 3. And I want you to listen to this with the the pair uh, keeping in mind the context of now what what he's literally given actual Old Testament context is this is um, a warning is going to have to be given to the nation uh, of Judah and, of, and of Israel. There's, there's, they are in gross idolatry and troubles coming and affliction is coming and the prophet has to give a faithful account of calling calling out uh, the danger and the wickedness. All right? That's what they've got to do. But there's also a parallel to this for what the job of a pastor and an elder and a teacher is today. All right? So Ezekiel chapter 3, starting in verse 17. So we're going to get this concept of the watchman. Son of man... I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Who are they speaking on behalf? Speaking on behalf of God. Are they speaking any old thing? No, they're having to speak His word. So when I'm up here today, the only thing that gives credibility or credence to anything as I say is that it's backed up by the word. You should be able to go back and say, that's what it says. If it doesn't say that, then we need to have a conversation. You need to come tell me. I Don't say that, All right? Y'all got that responsibility. Right? This is—we're actively here worshiping the Lord now. I've, I've got to give an account to Him for everything I say, but y'all can't be passive. Right? We've got access to the same Word, so hear the word at my mouth. Give them warning from me when I say unto the wicked. This is God speaking unto the wicked? Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. So, if he sends a warning to this prophet saying, you have to speak to the wicked. They are going to die because of this behavior and you don't pass that message along. They're still going to be punished for that behavior, but I'm going to hold you accountable because you didn't deliver the message. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy own soul. Okay? The result for the wicked man may be the same. The only difference is, were you obedient in delivering the warning? Because, you know, old Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? He wanted to see the Lord bring the hammer down. And God was very deliberate in getting his rear end to, to Nineveh. By way of a whale, right? But he had to go and he had to faithfully give the message. And then, you know, Jonah's pouting at the end. I knew you'd be so merciful, right? He he wanted to see Nineveh wiped out. Well, Nineveh eventually was. But that was not the time. This was the time when he was to give the warning. And we'll see what happened. Did they heed it? They did in that case. And the, the punishment was delayed. But the job for the watchman is you have to give the message. Okay? So that's to the wicked. And again... When a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given a warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thine soul. Okay? So the same concept there. Whether you're speaking to the ungodly who's just, he's going to bring judgment upon them, or whether you're speaking to the godly and they have erred, you still have to give the message. It's up to them to respond and do the right thing. If they choose not to, and you've given the message, well, the watchman, you're clear. But watchman, you cannot hold your tongue. You cannot see to give that message if you're not paying attention. If you're not engaged. If you're not caring about who you're watching for, right? So to be alert and on duty and on guard, that's that's part of the role as being the pastor, as being the leader. There is a heavier condemnation that can come upon you if you fail in that respect. You have to give an account. All right, and so the, so the one sense you've got this master, he's got the role of being a watchman. On well, the other sense about giving this account, it's also that role of being a, a steward, Right? You don't know what a steward of a house is, like a house manager, an overseer, someone who doesn't own anything in the house, but he's got great, great responsibility for making sure that all of his master's stuff, things, people, servants are all well taken care of, all right? It's an overseer, and at the end of the overseer's you know period, he's got to give an account to the owner. There's going to be a reconciliation of the books, right? Making sure that everything he says he's done actually does, right? and that will see whether he's been a faithful steward or not. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. There's an explicit link between the role of a minister or pastor and that of a steward. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, of the of the secrets of God that here have been revealed that you are caretakers. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful in the big things, faithful in little, little things. One of the main things you want when you're picking a steward for your house is that you can trust him and that he'll do what you tell him to do and that he will serve your interests. So a steward must be faithful. So here's the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery. We have to be faithful To teach the whole counsel of God. Even if it isn't popular. Even if it steps on somebody's toes. Even if it causes somebody to leave the church because they don't like hearing about it. You've got to. And so, in the event that I do step on your toes sometimes, I'm sorry your toes are hurting. I am doing my job. If your toes are hurting, they may need to hurt. It's how we respond to that. If you've got the warning and you just get upset that your toes are sore and you ignore the warning, there may be a bigger issue down the road for you. It may be that those light prick of the toe is, is exactly what you need and to not ignore it. All right? So a steward. Got to be faithful. Go over to Luke chapter 12. Jesus gives a, a, a parable about being a steward. All right? Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verse twenty. Let's start in twenty-seven. We're going to read a little bit, but just want you to have the context. It Says, "Consider the lilies, how they grow." Right? The, the flowers out in the field, boys. Did they do any work to grow? Are they causing effort? Are they planting the garden so they can grow? No. Hmm. They toil not. Neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So do the the flowers have to go out and buy their clothes? Connor, do they have to make them? No. But God just clothes them, right? If God then so close the grass, which today is in the field, tomorrow is cast in the oven. How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat, nor what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of them. But rather, what should you do, children of God? Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, say that a lot. I don't, I don't quote the last part enough. Fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now if your father is going to give you the whole kingdom as your inheritance do you think he's not going to provide for you all the way until you get there? Fear not little flock. It's a, it's a head bat, little sheep. You know, we're described as being sheep. Sometimes on social media sheep get a really bad name. Y'all a bunch is just a sheeple. Yeah, I am. Sheep aren't prescribed as being overly bright, right? Okay. (laughs) Tend to get themselves in some really bad spots, and the shepherd has to come and help them out. Right? They need the shepherd. They can't do it on their own, right? Lord, sheep. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heaven that faileth not, where no thief doth us, neither moth corrupteth. All the things that you've got here, all those little cracker jacks who work so hard gathering up, they're all going to go stale, they're going to fall apart, it's all going to come to nothing. But when you're doing the Lord's service, in whatever capacity that is, those don't go away. Ever. Okay? For where your treasure is there, will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about. Alright, this is the concept of being alert, right? Let your loins be girded about, your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when He will return from the wedding, that when He cometh and knocketh, they may open unto Him immediately. You're on that watch. You're waiting for Jesus to come back, and you don't know when He's going to come. Now, are we going to be passed out on the bench when He comes? Or are we going to be ready and alert? You know, that loins being girded, that's, that's one who's ready to work, right? ready to work, your light burning, let your life be, uh, they knock knocketh they may, open unto them immediately. Blessed are those servants, whom the Lord when he cometh, shall find them watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and come forth and serve them. And if he come in the second watch, or in the third watch, those are periods of the night, you know, the second watch and third watch, it's really hard to stay awake in those. Right? First watch, okay, you get to the second and the third, and that one right before the sun comes, that is hard. Stay awake. Be come, and the third watch, and find them. Blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and had not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour which ye think not. So all that's admonitions to be watched, to be alert, to be ready, to be serving the Lord now, not waiting for some other day, but being active now. And Peter says, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Who who are you talking to? Who's the target audience here? And Jesus says, who then is the faithful and wise steward? Say all that just because I wanted to get to this parable. Who then is the faithful and wise steward? Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household and give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So he's given a job Of that steward over his household to give out his meat to feed his sheep, that servant will be blessed if, when the Lord comes, he's doing it. He's doing it faithfully, right? Of a truth, I say unto you, he will make him a ruler over all that he hath. But if that servant say in his heart, "My Lord delayeth His coming," and begin to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he's not aware, and will cut him asunder and will appoint him as portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his lord's will and prepared not himself neither did according to his will, he shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required and to whom men shall commit much of him shall they ask the more you've seen that in, in leadership roles and in jobs the guy who gets a lot of the responsibility he's also got a lot that he's got to produce right you, ok you've got authority let's see you produce there's a lot of expectations it's the same thing here I'm committing much into your hand I expect a lot out of you you know the master's will you want to be a master and you want to be a leader ok if you know the Lord's will and you don't prepare yourself and you don't do it, it says there's a higher standard that you're being held to. It's not a light thing. I'm not saying this to discourage any of you men from, from pursuing and being using the Lord's service. I want you to. But we want to be there for the right reasons. And understanding the scope and the gravity of of what this means, it's not something light. It's not just well, I can't figure out any other job, so maybe I'll just go be a preacher. No. Well, Mama says I really ought to be a preacher. No. I. I this is a. It's a. A very weighty and scary. Right. We should. We should fear the Lord. Well, if you're. If you're gonna stand here and speak on His behalf and declare His word, okay. That's step one. And then step two, you gotta live it out. Right. It is a it is a weighty thing, not one to be taken lightly. All right. So that's that steward. He's the one who knew the master's will and didn't prepare himself, uh, and didn't do the father's will. He, he's got says he's got more stripes coming to him. All right. So he who's given much of him shall much be required. All right. And so let's go back to James. See what that next verse picks up. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And so, if nothing else, this is just the, the, the light-hearted fellow who doesn't really care and just thinks, oh, well, that would be nice. I'd like to have people look up and respect me and admire me and think I'm smart. He says, whoa. Knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. Four. so this is linked right back, Four. because in many things we offend all. Now, I think it would be easier to be understood if we read it for in many things we all offend and that offend means to stumble or fail y'all we're all sinners I know you're shocked right? never heard that before but you're all sinners I'm a sinner Right? in many aspects of our life we fail we stumble we cause others to stumble by what we do and they say, that's, that's kind of obvious. Yes. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man or a mature man, and also able to bridle the whole body. So if we stumble in many ways, and you're desiring to be a master, who well, you know there's a higher standard of care that you're held to, we also know that it is very easy to fail with our face and our mouth and the things we say and the wrong things. I'll give you a good example. Yesterday I was trying to prepare some pictures for the graduation and the computer was being frustrating and it was uploading slow and my beautiful wife leans down beside me and I think, oh, she's going to look over my shoulders while I do this and I snap at her. She was leaning over to give me a kiss. I failed with my face and made the day really hard because of me because I was uh, not slow to speak. Right? Remember that back from chapter 1? I wasn't quick to listen. Right? It is very easy to cause offense, to offend, to sin. And I don't mean just hurting somebody's feeling. That Sometimes we use the word offend. Well, I'm offended. Okay, but that's not really the biblical context for offending. Offending is where you have trespassed against somebody, whether that's God or somebody else. Whether you have caused yourself to sin or whether you have caused someone else to sin by your poor example or by your poor instruction. And so... There is a higher standard of care. We know that we're all sinners. And we know that it's very easy to fail with our mouth. And so as a master, you need to know this. You need to be careful. And there's some, there's some pretty uh, scary language given to those who give bad instruction. Go over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking then he said unto his disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come okay. sins, stumblings failures, they will come it's impossible, right? why? because y'all are sinners Because right? we have that carnal sin nature, there's no time in your life where you are going to be sinless unless Christ comes back and then you get a wonderful change or you're dead, but as long as you're here you will not be sinless It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he should be cast into sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now again, I'm not talking about you hurt the little one's feelings. That's not what it means at all. It means that you by your actions and by your words have caused one of these little baby Christians, followers of Christ, who don't know it all, yet, And we're all little ones, right? If you've caused them to sin by your poor example or by your poor instruction. So it says, it's better for you to take... You ever seen Millstone? one leaning against a tree up near Shoal Creek. It was, it was, it was, at least this one was honking, right? It was several hundred pounds, very heavy. It so says, it's better to have that tied around your neck and jump off a cliff and dropped in the bottom of the sea than for you to teach somebody else to sin against God. Y'all... That's serious. And that's the Lord talking. Woe unto that man. That's a pretty big woe. It's better for him to have a millstone hanging by his neck and cast in the sea than he should offend one of these little ones, cause one of these little ones to stumble or to fall, to teach them the wrong thing. Go again to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. Matthew five and nineteen, we'll just jump up to eighteen. It says, "Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth passed, uh, one jot or one tittle—that's just the smallest little cause of, you know phrase or or punctuation, just the littlest bit of the law—says it, it shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled." But nineteen, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least of the commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. They're both described as being in the kingdom of heaven. But one who is breaking and then teaching others to follow that bad pattern, that's, again, we're talking about a higher standard. That be careful. This is not something to be entered into lightly. We're all going to cause offense. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to fail. And it is very, very easy to fail with your mouth. And as an instructor and as a leader, that's your primary tool. right? you got to speak it and you have to walk it. Right? You can see an example of this uh, in the New Testament times in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. Now you remember um, that on the Old Testament... the the, the Ten Commandments, you're supposed to honor your parents, right? Honor thy father and mother. Alright? Jesus asked him, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. So that's the standard. Honor your parents, right? But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father and mother, It's a gift... By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother, he shall be see, be free. Thus have ye made a commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Okay, you, you hypocrites, that's what he calls them. Well did Elias Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouths, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. All right, so... Teaching others to break the commandments to keep their own man made commandments. Well, what's going on here is so when your parents are old and no longer to care for themselves, the part of honoring your parents is providing for them. Well, the Pharisees have come up with this thing of, well, we, we could use some additional funds in the coffers of the temple. So, tell you what, if you want to take that portion that you would have used to support your aged parents and you just give that to, to the temple, we'll say, you're good. You know, you get a pass on your parents. So, so that's what they're saying literally here is that. Anything where you'd be profited by me, and that's not just a one-time thing. It's not just now, but for you know for the rest of your life. Sorry, you know, I gave it to the temple, and and they say that's okay, and I'm good with that. This is an example of taking bad instruction and leading others to sin so they can comply with your instruction. That's scary. Right? We don't we don't want to ever by our words lead someone in a way that's inconsistent with Scripture. Modern example, you see that in any church where you go up and you call sin, sin. Right? They don't want to hear that. And yet by failing to call sin, sin, in whatever scenario it is in that particular church, they are leading others astray. They're saying, well, that's okay. It's fine. That really doesn't bother God. When That's very contrary to what His Word says. It, I'm sorry, false teacher there. Woe unto you you're causing those little ones to offend and to sin. Alright? Let's go back to James. Doing fine on time, so we'll keep cooking along. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And we know, again, that word perfect doesn't mean sinless, but it means mature. It means it is a sign of maturity when you're able to control your tone. In your Christian walk, that is how we mature. Don't expect that, you know, a brand new baby born again Christian is going to come out speaking exactly how they ought to speak. That takes time. That takes maturing. But as you and I who should be farther along in our journey, if we've got our mouth just free reigned, we should be convicted by that. And remember back from chapter 1 when it say? if any man among you And so this is within the church. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So we can't have it both ways. We can't talk like the world and claim to be walking after God. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a mature man, and able to bridle the whole body. So if you can temper this you can temper what you do with the rest of your body. Where you go, what you handle, how you interact. But this is this is this is a real challenge. Right? Behold, we put bits in a horses' mouths. Bits. Right? Just a little piece of metal, it's my understanding, right? You got little things that attach it to it. Well, from that, the rider can turn the direction of that head and turn the direction of this massive animal significantly outweighs you. And lead it, right? Same example it's going to give with ships, right? Behold, we put, we'll read it. Behold, we put bits in a uh, horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we may turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great. Imagine big ships, right, guys? When the pilgrims came over, they had these big ships, big sails, right? What turned that ship? Had the little rudder at the back, right? Just that little thing. it had the wheel that turned it. That little rudder changed the course of those ships. Little thing, big ships. Behold also the ships, though they be so great, and are driven with fierce winds, yet are they turned about by a very small helm, or rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth, the captain. One who's in charge, that listeth also could mean impulse. At the impulse or at the determination of the captain. right. your captain over your face and your impulses sometimes cause you to snap at people to lash out at people to have barbed tongues to have acid why are these verbs so painful because we have the ability to really injure people with our mouth with our tongue it's not just an idle thing to say that But that's why we have so many different ways of describing speaking unkindly, speaking harshly. The the words can cut. You're the master. You're the captain over this little instrument. And if we don't keep it reined in, you can cause significant damage. Even so, a tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. It can cause significant damage problems. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Perish, Zach, y'all ever done a little burning and got a little out of control? (laughs) How much does it start with? Just a little fire, right? Well, it's the same thing with with slander or gossip or needling folks or picking or um, being unkind or critical. All those different ways that we can use our tongue to cause harm and damage, it really just starts with just a little bit. But what it can grow from and the impacts you can have, you can tear a whole church apart. You can tear a whole family apart. You can destroy a business. You you name it. You get people together and you have folks who are not controlling their tongue. And speaking with that mean spirit, you can cause a lot of damage. The tongue is as a fire, a world of iniquity. So is that tongue among your members. That it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of hell, and is set on fire of hell. No, it's set on course the fire of, set on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, of things in the sea, is tamed or subdued, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame or subdue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly evil. Poison. I mean, all this all this started about again is the context of being a master. You want to be a leader of the church. You want to teach others. And yet, if you can't control your tongue, and you're allowing this venom to be spewed among, you can greatly damage the Lord's heritage and his church. Alright? The tongue, the tongue can no man tame. Does that mean it cannot be tamed? If that was the case, why would you spend all this time telling you you need to tame it? You in your natural state, your carnal state, you cannot. But by the Holy Spirit, you can. You're not under the bondage of sin anymore. And you have gotten the power through the Holy Spirit. He can tame it. Why is this significant? This is significant in who you choose to follow. This is another way you can call out and see this is not someone that I need to be given a lot of credence to what they say. Because if they're claiming to be a teacher of God's Word and you hear them talk and they're talking with vile filth and with acid in their tone and they're cutting people down and all those things that sound just like the world, it's a warning. Natural man can't do it. But on the other hand, if you have someone that you hear who's got that under control, you know how he got it there. Or she got it there. That it's not of their own natural self. It's by divine aid. And give God the glory for it. The tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Here's the contradiction that we endure. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. On one hand, you can be sitting here praying, blessing God, the Father. And therewith curse we men. You know, that's the difference between on the way to church running late and somebody's in front of you going too slow, right? Or they break too hard or they don't use their blinker or whatever, and you can just have a slew of filth come out of your mouth. And in 15 minutes, you're coming in here bowing, Yes, Lord. Oh, thank you. <laughs> brother, my brethren, these things ought not be so. Right? Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. As I said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. And then he asked some natural questions: Does a fountain send forth both in the same place sweet water and bitter? Right? You have salt water and fresh water come out of the same point. No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? You go out to the fig tree looking for olives. You never would. Right? Either a fine figs, you go out to the vine, you're going to look for figs there? No. So can no fountain, both yield salt and fresh. Okay? Saying that we should not be dual-minded in our conversation. That we need to be consistent. Is this going to take effort and growth and divine intervention? Yeah. But it's not something that we should just be content or complacent with. Of, well, it's just the way I am. It's the way you work. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? So, he's now giving them some some criteria to look at. It. Okay, there should be masters among you. There should be some some who are looked to as leaders. How are you going to identify them? You know, if you've got ten thousand people, they had you know huge in gatherings at times that we couldn't even imagine. It's not somebody I've known all these people for forty or fifty years. I know who's genuinely there and those who are just kind of on the peripheral. You don't know, but here. Got this massive in gathering people suddenly. Well, how do you distinguish them? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. All right, so you want to see a wise man? See what he does and see the manner in which he does it. Is he following through on doing the right things and doing good works and serving God with meekness and humility? If so, that's a wise man among you. That's one you need to follow. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Okay, you may be smart. You may be naturally wise. You could have a PhD. You can be the brightest bulb in the box in a natural sense. But if folks being around you, the result is strife and envy, and no, you've got to be down so I can be high. Y'all, that's politics. That's the way of the world. That's uh, There can only be one winner, and I'm going to make sure it's not, not you. I, mean, I may not win, but I'm going to make sure you don't. No, that's the world. That's the carnal nature. That's not what you want to follow. But if you have bitter, envying, and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't be proud about that. Lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So there, there, there are smart folks in this world. But it's not the wisdom from God. That's not what you need to be following after, that's not what you need to be pursuing. Because the result of that wisdom is going to be that strife, that acrimony, that discord. This wisdom's not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish. True. That's kind of scary language. You don't really like to think about demons and the devil too often, but there's just some attributes of them. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion or discord. Instability and every evil work. If that's who you're putting forward and that's who you're going to follow, or that's what you're trying to do, and that's the result of what's going on around you because of you, that's danger. Envy, strife, what's the result of that? You're gonna have instability and every evil work. You certainly don't want that in church. You don't want that in your family, you don't want that in your business. You wanna be able to identify folks to follow? You want to identify how you ought to lead? But the wisdom that is from above, these are the characteristics of one that's who's been blessed with the Holy Spirit, who's being you know, led by the Lord, this is the characteristics that you'll see in their life. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's the exact opposite of that strife, right? Pure or clean, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. i you ever had somebody who just you cannot question me. Even if you just want to figure out how to do something right, you cannot question don't, No. Easy to be entreated. That's you know I've had a lot of bosses who are not easy to be entreated. Right? But the man of God should be easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. That's how this whole chapter started, right? Without being a respecter of persons, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The Greek word there for hypocrisy, it means to be to playing the part you're putting on a role you're assuming the actor or the character and you're going around well I am the leader of men and this is how leaders of men are supposed to act and everyone respect me and love me and I'm going to live the rest of my life however I want to he says don't do that not with hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace don't those two verses 17 and 18 just make you feel like calm yes this is what I want. This is what I want to lead in my life. This is what I want to look for. I want to avoid that other stuff. And it may seem really easy to do that and sit here, but how about in our, in our own lives? Are we the ones who are being gentle and peaceable, and peacemakers, easily entreated? For that 50,000th question from our young child, right? I often get irritating. <laughs> Full of mercy and good fruits. Okay. Now, again, the context of this is being the master, being a leader within the church. That who's who's dissuading those who want to do it for the wrong reasons. Does that mean, young men, that you shouldn't desire to be a leader in the church? Not saying that at all. And in fact, I want each of our men to be leaders, to be strong leaders, to be well-rooted and grounded in the truth. Because each of you have a charge that's been given you. Whether that's a spouse, whether that's children, or grandchildren, or nephews, or children, you know, there are somebody in your life that you need to be teaching, leading, being a good godly example for. And so, all these kind of standards that the, the pastor and leaders are held to, you're held to it too. Slightly different context, but we need to be ready to speak, ready to teach, um, willing to give a good answer. And to do that, we've got to be knowledgeable ourselves and growing not only in our head knowledge, that's one part of it, but in applying it in our lives. Of, okay, I've learned this. I'm not doing it yet. Let me try and do it. Well, I won't do it perfectly. Okay. Do it anyway. We'll get better. Final takeaway. Our idle words. You know, if I've got to give an account for my role as pastor and leader, you'll also have to give an account for every idle word. So Matthew 12. Jesus says over Matthew 12. 12 and 35 through 37. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by their words thou shalt be justified, or shown to be just, and by their words thou shalt be condemned. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Each time you open your mouth, you have an opportunity either to glorify God with what comes out or to cause His name to be blasphemed and reproached. To cause shame. To cause shame on your family. You as His children, your adopted children. Profess to be a follower of Christ. And you're adopted into His family. And you represent Him. But if I've declared publicly that Christ is my Lord and Savior and I am subject to unto Him, then how I live and speak is a reflection upon Him as my Master, that I I report to Him. And so, may we be mindful and intentional to know that in every moment of our life we have an opportunity. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just not say anything at all. I really have been convicted about that verse about studying to be quiet. Sometimes that's the best thing. That if I can't answer a situation with the right tone or attitude, then it won't be edifying. I just need to keep my mouth quiet until I can get to that point. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in our emotions. But you have a chance. Every time you open your mouth to build up God's people, to glorify Him through what goodness and light that you're sharing, or you can cause shame and reproach on the Lord. May we be mindful of the blessings that we have and speak highly of our God, whether speaking directly of Him or just representing Him. Thank you all. For coming today.